0: start a chat tell them that casey sent you if you have salesforce pardot when you schedule and then do a demo they will send you a free copy of my book marketing automation unleashed not bad right well it's only while supplies last so hop on this thing today and that's it for sponsors let's get to the show all right it's live we're cranking we're recording uh this is gonna be a good one i'm excited everyone i can't wait to introduce you to my guest today, she is a marketing leader and a strategist. And what's really interesting—oh, there's many interesting things here—but she has experience across multiple industries. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about that. And and we're going to smash some myths: software, financial services, healthcare, pharma, nonprofit, IT, retail, like. She's literally touched and experienced all these different facets of marketing. So there's a lot that we can learn from her. She's also a writer and a world traveler. We'll definitely talk about travel. Um, VP of marketing at Confirm It, Beth McGee. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Like this is going to be a good one. Um, there's so much I want to learn from you and chat about the latest, greatest. And the fact that you've touched all these industries and This is going to be a fun one. So this is our marketing leadership series, talking to strategists and senior level marketers like yourself and, and understanding what you're looking at, where you're coming from, getting some strategies, some pointers from you. So this is going to be a fun one. And we're going to start the show off the way we start every show. And I'm going to grab this thing. It's very heavy. One second. All right, here it is. This is Thor's hammer. So go ahead, take that here. There's the handle. Okay, you got it. Okay, cool. So take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, or just misconception. You want to like set the record straight once and for all.
1: Yeah. So I think this idea of ABM being a silver bullet is, is totally incorrect. It's not about account-based marketing. It's about understanding the accounts that you're trying to work and you have to be able to do that with intent data which is what i think is the secret sauce these days Um, and that that buyer intent data allows you to target specific accounts so then i guess it is account-based marketing but traditionally and i know everyone thinks that account-based marketing was just invented a couple of years ago but actually, (laughs)
0: like yesterday right Right. yeah (laughs)
1: It was something actually like 1998. Um, but um, account based marketing, traditionally, you, you just picked at random a bunch of accounts that you wanted to target. But nowadays, we can use that intent data to focus on accounts that are truly interested in, the, in your solutions and your offerings. So I like to think of it more as hyper segmentation for people that have shown uh, interest uh, rather than a guessing game.
0: Yeah, I like that hyper segmentation, um, and di- in distilling the myth, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh no, ABM will save us. Like, I'm losing my seat at the exec table, but don't worry, ABM will save us. Um, right. And it's like, well, like, there's some things in here that aren't new, but you've sort of boiled out the most important part here is that that intent data. Uh-huh. So tell me about tell me about intent, because I think it's an important topic. Um, I don't know if a lot of marketers are are like tuned into it, just the idea of what intent is.
1: Yeah, well, and it takes a lot to convince people because it's hard to understand that there's technology out there that can actually tell you what people are doing without, uh, you know, without... Um, having to have all sorts of extra information. So um, people think it's, you know, black magic is a term I've, I've heard. Um, And so it's hard to break down those barriers, but essentially what these companies are doing is um, using third party data as well as data from your website and tracking at the account level activity around a set of keywords that you've identified are relevant for your business. So There's, I think we've all heard the statistic from Forrester or CEB there. It's all over the place, but something, I don't know what the number is now, 75%, I'm guessing, uh, of of people are doing research uh, before they fill out a form. And I think it's like, you know, they download 12 pieces of content before they raise their hand and say they want uh, a demo Mm -hmm. or want a company to contact them. And so what intent data allows you to do is reach those companies before they raise their hand, meaning before they fill out the form. So you can get in there earlier before the RFP is issued and you're not on that list Um, before they've reached out to your top competitors and they've, you know, smashed you uh, or even had a chance to get a phone call. So um, we're having a bunch of success uh, both on the marketing and sales side. And it's, I'm kind of obsessed with intent data right now. Um, And there's a lot of providers out there. um, But I I really truly think it's that secret sauce. And uh, I think the days of the, you know, just picking a hundred accounts for your key account list at random are, are over. And anyone that's doing that without looking at uh, the intent data is honestly just wasting their time.
0: Wow. Yeah. We definitely don't want to waste our time. No. Um, so, but you're right. Like the, I guess the, the latest greatest ABM suggestions would be to what pick your, top accounts based on how big they are and or they fit criteria and then you just kind of go at go try to harass them like og direct marketing and sending them things and um but you're saying look that's cool but you may be hitting people that are just not ever going to be a fit or or what they they're not they're not intending to buy anything in the first place so it's like a waste of time
1: Yeah, it could be it could be they totally are just the wrong, the wrong company or they've shown no interest. So you reach out to them 10 times. That effort is not going to lead to anything Um, or they could be somewhere in the middle of the buying process um, where they're still doing research, but they're not quite ready to do high touch engagement like join a webinar. They still want to be educated. So that's where it also gets interesting because you can take your content and, you know, again, back in the day, we used to um, align content to personas. Sure. Similar idea, but rather than just persona, looking at where they are in that buying process. So Mm -hmm. if they're earlier in the buying process, they want education. So ungate those assets that educate them on the what you do, why it's important to them, et cetera. And then uh, choose other pieces of content for different parts of the stage. So webinars maybe later on, invitations to events later on. Um, so that's, I confirm it, that's what we're really looking to do this year is um, focus the different um, channels by um, by the stage in which they're in, in the buyer journey. Um, and it's that's a big undertaking, but I think it's a yeah. really neat way to look at things. and. Um, it's it's creating all sorts of fun opportunities
0: for us. I, no doubt. And now you mentioned something controversial at, at, uh, as a part of that, <laughs> and that was the idea of that early stage content, ungate it, take oh, out yeah. the forms, just, oh, yeah. just let people run wild with it. Yes. What's your take on that? Because some people say put forms in front of everything. Some people are like no forms, which I think is also crazy. But you're saying there's a certain time and place. What, what's what's the best way to approach it?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a hybrid model. At least that's what we're testing right now at Permit. So we were a company that gated everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I honestly felt and and was um, advocating for a strategy to ungate at least some content for a while. Because I think if someone's coming to your website and just trying to learn more about the industry that you're working in, and you just shut them down with a form... Mm. I leave all the time when right. I have to fill out a form. So why would I expect the people that we're trying to reach to do anything differently? Um, and I think what's if we shift our mindset and say, okay, we ungate this asset, allow them to read it. What are the chances that they're going to go to more pages on our website and consume more content rather than just getting that one asset after filling out a form, being annoyed that they had to do that? We get a bad <laughs> email address. It's right. just it's um it's encouraging the wrong behavior. So my new thing is. Let's figure out rather than what action we're trying to drive, which would be a download, a web visit, you know, some some mm-hmm. ending activity. When we are looking at building campaigns, we're looking at what, what action are we trying to drive, but then are we designing the experience to drive the next action we want them to take? So it, it's sort of a never-ending process, and we're taking these next actions to bring them along that buyer journey and help them along the way.
0: I like that. Design the experiences to, to push them to take that next action.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's great not, that they yeah they watched a webinar, but you know what happens after that? You know, like what, what should
0: happen after a webinar? That that's a really good point.
1: That is a good question. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of different things that could happen. Um, that they could get additional content. Um, uh, I guess, outreach by sales. But again, I think you'd have to look at where they are in the buying stage. Sure. Um, but it is about continuing that journey. And I think the website is very important in this because if they can go to your website and go to a bunch of different content with ease, yeah, you're going to be their friend. You're going to be their educator. So when they come time to buy something, you're going to be at that top of the list because they know the most about you and you've established yourself as a credible resource. That's not just trying to get a sale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sale with some terrible form that asks you every sort of personal details like yeah what I want to tell you I once saw one that was like what's your annual salary or something it was like oh. who are you we just <laughs> met like <laughs>
1: exactly. That's even exactly. if we
0: hadn't just met I'm probably still not filling out so you know if I really want to fill it out I'm just gonna lie and, yeah. or I'm just gonna leave because I'm sketched out by all their crazy fields they're asking so it makes sense you know to open things up but I like that you're not just opening it up to say just okay go, go to town you're saying okay let's provide some experiences but then think like okay you just had this free content what what's the next step we can encourage that
1: Mm -hmm. that
0: person that who just downloaded that free content what's the next thing they maybe would be interested in Um, so that way you're not just leaving it i think that's where people get wrong Mm -hmm. if they do either or model is they're just like oh put it all out there but i have no leads it's like well you didn't think about the next step that's really cool
1: yeah and i i yeah so our hybrid model is we've chosen four different content types four or five to ungate Um, and then we're going to leave some higher, um, things like case studies. I think customer stories, videos, things like that. Um, those are super valuable when, uh, when prospects are in the early stage, um, heavier things like white papers or analyst reports, those are going to remain gated. Um, I, I have to be honest. I'm a little bit on the fence about that because I would like to ungate the majority of of assets, but we're going with a hybrid model first, sure. and <laughs> and we'll keep testing things and see what works and right. see how right. we can drive people through the funnel.
0: Now, if you if you had your way, like your gut saying, like, un, would you just ungate everything? Would you just get rid of forms? Like, what would what would you do? What What do you think well, it's leading to?
1: Well, I think. I think it's obviously for registration purposes, you still need to have forms for webinars and events. Yeah. Um, but, True. you know, a Forrester Wave, I kind of want to ungate that type of content. Yeah. Um, because why not shop from the rooftops that you've performed extremely well if that's the case?
0: Oh, that's a good point.
1: And they can <laughs> download that report from any other competitor. As well, and with the power of that intent data, I can actually see who's searching for a particular analyst report, and and follow them that way, or design a campaign to target them. Um, so uh, it's really all of that
0: uh, wrapped together. Yeah. yeah, you know that kind. Of, it kind of brings it all back full circle, back to the intent data, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, but I'm lacking this, I'm lacking that, but it's like, no, actually, I've mm-hmm. got the intent data. So if I if I didn't get you filling out the form i know of you from your intent data exactly if you so some of the people listening are probably like well you know i've never done this sort of like i never mm-hmm. integrated intent data before we wouldn't know mm-hmm. where, where to look what where would you start on that you have like a first couple steps you'd recommend for people if they're trying to get intent data rolled into their marketing
1: yeah i mean first i would do some research and make sure you understand what it is um And that you can explain it to the people you're going to have to sell it to.
0: Good point. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, And then I get familiar with the different vendors. Um, So you can do that by looking at um, analyst reports like Waves or Magic Quadrants. Um, But have a couple demos and try to understand the differences between them. Um, A lot of them are very similar, but some are quite different. Um, And they offer different things. And obviously, they also offer different price points. So the actual vendor is going to be different for each organization and what your industry. Um, but I think, yeah, the first step is is making sure that you are educated and that once you are, that you're sure that you would be able to leverage um, that data in a useful way. Cause it doesn't really help if you are collecting the data, but not doing anything with it. Um, that makes and, sense. Yeah. And then also that you have the resources and in help in house to help with implementation, onboarding and training with your, cause it, it does impact sales and your SDR or BDR team significantly. So hmm. they have to get on board as well.
0: A um, couple questions on that. Um, hmm. Any vendors that stand out as ones people should check out?
1: So my favorite is Six Sense and that, okay. that's what we use. And I'm, I think that they're the the top player in the space right now.
0: No kidding. You know, such a small world. I actually chat with Latney. Um, oh, yeah. on the podcast as well. Um, it's, they're, they're just like, they're everywhere, huh? They're, yeah. they're it. They're like number one when it comes to like putting a flashlight on the dark web and showing you what's going on behind the scenes.
1: Yes, they, they are. And she and I were actually talking about this podcast at Dreamforce when I saw her. Um, So we made the connection there. It's why I forgot about that, but yeah, she's amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to that. Hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So yeah, definitely check out Sixth Sense. And I I love that you brought up, you know, do that research, be able to speak to it. Uh As much as I'd love you to be able to say, well, I listened to a podcast (laughs) that probably doesn't fly earning you credit internally. So you got to got to get some learning in there mm-hmm. uh, beyond this sort of like, we're getting you excited here, but you know, take that next step and nothing like a couple demos, you know, hearing right. a couple different pitches and understand, Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, what the thing is. Um, and then be sure you can leverage it. So I want to ask you about that. How, how do you ensure that you actually can leverage it? Is there like a, a question you can ask yourself?
1: It's, I guess you have to ask, you know, what is the, I, maybe first, what is the appetite for your sales and mm. SDR team? Are they open to something like this? Are they going to believe the data? Because that, that was my biggest and still is my biggest obstacle in utilizing the data. Yeah, I can ask the marketing team to, you know, try to use the data or I can say we're going to run a campaign based off of this keyword. Um, that's easy. Uh, but getting the salespeople to really trust it, it takes, it takes a while. And it takes a couple kind of wins under your belt. I had a a gentleman who he did not believe it. He just wanted to stick with his Excel file. And, you know, I said, okay, so, you know, he did. And then a few months later, he started using the data and he Uh just this past week, he got to, um, SQL. So we were very excited for him, um, and he's now a believer. And then he can evangelize it. So I think as long as yeah. you have some open minds on your team and people that are willing to try new things and be innovative, um, I think that's probably the first step. We, do you have that culture?
0: Right. Uh, huge to highlight that because I think sometimes we can do our some of our our testing and our weird wizardry in our marketing labs, and no one's going to bother us. Oh, I'm testing some weird Facebook stuff. Cool. But when it comes to something like this, it's good to know that. Hey, how's your relationship with sales? You may want to address that first, make sure you're on the same page. Maybe you have the same vocab. You're doing all the right things. Then you introduce some of these things that need some of their buy-in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, we that's funny that you mentioned that because we uh, originally launched a predictive analytics tool, I don't know, several years ago okay. when it was very, very new and intent data wasn't really part of it. It was more about identifying lookalike opportunities. And we were asked um, to sort of keep it behind the scenes. Don't tell anyone what we're doing. Huh. Just provide the lists of accounts to the SDRs for them to work. But that didn't work right. <laughs> uh, because they didn't know why those accounts were the ones that they should be following up with. And they had no information about what to say to them. Um, so right. we kind of hit it. We we couldn't have that conversation with sales and the whole thing was a flop. And then we kind of gave up on it for a couple of years until we found Sixth Sense. Wow.
0: Yeah. I, I could see how it's like, oh, that's nice. We've got some predictive analytics, but if you, if you don't give them a reason and rationale, it's kind of like a motivation problem. I mean, marketing's usual complaint with sales is like, you know, you keep asking for leads, we send them to you, you don't actually call them. So right. um, <laughs> any kind of these little data points you can actually provide if they believe you, I could see that uh-huh. really motivating sales to get right on that lead and call right away.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Wow. Wow, very cool. It also sounds like you you have some alignment going on internally, um, at Conforming. Could could you talk to just you know you know how you've gotten to that point? You know what really what's your secret recipe for that that sales and marketing alignment?
1: Um, I think sales leadership um, is is very open to working with marketing. We've we've built a strong relationship and trust with them. So they yeah. know they know we know our stuff um, you know, all too often you'll have people join an organization and say, you know, oh, I have a background in marketing. I know how to do this. <laughs> this is how we're going to do it. And that's, that can be frustrating, but, um, you know, once- they run
0: sales. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. <Right.
0: laughs> but marketing is something
1: that, you know, we're, we're the experts at, you know, we, we went to school for this. We've been, this is our career. It's not just some, you know, Class at the, Some hobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think kind of establishing yourself as an expert um, mm. helps build that uh, mutual respect. Um, our uh, The head of our SDR team also reports into marketing. So all of the SDRs are part of the marketing team, which really opens really? up that. Um, communication between uh, us and the SDR so there's no barrier I can immediately go to the SDR and say look here's here's what we need to be working on where historically before they were under marketing you know, we had to kind of get the sales leaders approval to do something with them and it just slowed down the whole process so right. I think that structure is working a lot better to to help with the alignment piece Wow and
0: do you would, would you in that debate sometimes it's a debate whether sales owns SDRs or marketing do you Do you have a a vote in that matter or what's your, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen it both ways, but I think it definitely works better reporting into marketing, Um, which, yeah, I think they have to work hand in hand. And I think as the marketing, marketing's role expands, um, I think they will be working throughout the sales cycle and through to when they're a customer and up for renewal. and to have that closeness is key to that happening otherwise they're two split entities right. so the the sales people are invested in, in the sdrs the marketing people are invested in the sdrs and we share that um that love for the sdrs um and i think that helps kind of bring it together what have you heard um
0: i i once i once moderated a panel which you would think would be fun until you realized all you do is just let everyone else talk. You're like God, but I want to tell you what I think. Um, <laughs> it was like four or five people. Um, some people went one way, some people went the other way. I think it came down to as long as you have some kind of really good alignment with sales, it, mm-hmm. it may not matter as long as there's that really strong. Like I, I one group where um, marketing sat next to them, but they were owned by sales. But it was like mm-hmm. there was the proximity was there, so mm-hmm. it it was. Um, it, it's worked in to your point, like in either direction, as long as there's that core understanding, you're on the same page, you're doing the same thing, going after the same goal.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I think it could go either way, but, um, I find if they report to sales, they are pulled off into another direction
0: uh-huh. that kind of
1: almost sometimes competes with marketing's objectives.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Which you know that's definitely not ideal.
0: Right, right. Wait, wait. Where where are you going? Oh, <laughs> sales kickoff! Woohoo! Fun right. times. <laughs> uh, sales can have more fun. They make more noise too, don't they? they do. Gongs and bells and <laughs> happy hours. Marketing's like shh. <laughs> I'm optimizing my campaign.
1: <laughs> I will say our marketing department is pretty noisy. Are they? Uh, yeah, I think so. We're wild, but um, but in a good way. <laughs>
0: what do you do you, are you having parties all the time? Are you celebrating? How do you keep it real over there?
1: Well, everyone sits together um yeah. and they do lots of fun things in the we call it the marketing room. Um and they play Pictionary or they do wow interesting game with songs so they, they take breaks they hang out they're a super close bunch I think they've been a model for the rest of the organization it's been great
0: cool culture like everyone's aligned and every, it's like a little marketing family I like that yeah yeah <laughs> so so kind of another question around marketing and kind of to bubble it out a little bit you know uh-huh. thinking about that room and and it's 2020 now which is crazy I like the number, but it's a, it's a high number. And I remember when like 1999 was cool, Um, (laughs) you know, like what's your approach to planning that big picture marketing, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in the day-to-day tactical. Mm -hmm. How do you, your marketing leader, your VP, how do you sort of set that course for the whole group, the whole team and then align that with everyone else?
1: Yeah. So it's tricky, but I mean, first you have to understand what your organization's, goals are and not oh, yeah, good point. this year, but in the future, where are we trying to go? Because you can't design a program without having that in mind. And you also can't work 365 days a year at a time and start start over as soon as the calendar <laughs> changes. That doesn't work. It's a continual process of growth. Sure. Um, so understanding the those corporate um, objectives and strategy, I think are. First, uh, the first place to start and then start mapping out how you would help the company achieve those through your marketing efforts. I think though a key is to connect with particularly sales and make sure that you share the same understanding of the corporate objectives and future direction of the company
0: Right.
1: because uh, if you don't you guys are going to create goals that don't align. Um, so you once, might be at
0: odds with each other. Right. And then, exactly. yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> no,
1: no. So once you establish that, I think it's a great process to have an open discussion about the goals, not that, or objectives, not that one department should be telling the other what to do um, or how to do their jobs, but without that open communication, to your point, you could be at odds and running off on separate paths and, and at the end of the day, not accomplishing anything.
0: Right. Right. Huh. And, and and then do you, how far out do you think, do you, are you in like 10 year, five year, three year, like what, what kind of window ranges are you thinking about?
1: Oh, that's funny. Uh, the food chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of that, um, yeah. you have to think far out, but you also, in my role, because I am I'm both strategic and also, you know, tactical, I'm Getting building a list down, right. right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have to think in a way, day to day, week to week, campaign to campaign, but you always have to keep that big picture in mind. Otherwise, you don't know why you're building the campaigns you're building.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and it's really important to understand where your company is going. I think from a corporate perspective um, and your your career, but your personally, your career as well, is that where you want to go with your career?
0: Right. Um,
1: so I think those are important things to kind of ask yourself. And as we start the year you know, I'm trying to do that as well and encourage my team members. What do you want to ac- accomplish this year in your career? Right. You know, not just the company is, is wonderful, but if you're not improving yourself, you're not going to be improving as an asset for the company.
0: Right. Um, that makes sense.
1: What, what about you? Are, do you have any tips on planning?
0: You know, I love that you brought up the, the end goal in mind because I think, We sometimes forget that. I have a little tool that I got from a guy named Dan Sullivan and a strategic coach. And there's this thing called an impact filter. And the gist of it is uh, any project campaign, anything you're going to do, you fill this little thing out. And one of the key sections of it is when this thing is complete, what has to be true in order for this to be a success? Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: there's a couple bullets there that you just fill out. And I think sometimes we're like... I've done this and just flying by the seat of my pants. And I just like, Oh, this is cool campaign idea. Let's try this thing out. And we're like testing and marketing, but we're not necessarily thinking about, okay, what result are we actually looking to get out of this thing? Uh-huh. And if you can if you send that to your team and they don't know what the, the key success criteria are, you may get back a different thing out at the end because you didn't communicate that. So I always like filling those things out, even if it's for myself, like, okay, I'm about to have this really important phone call. Uh-huh. What do I want to accomplish by the end of it? You know, uh-huh. or, you know, this year in marketing, what do I want to accomplish by the end of it?
1: I think that that's a really good point. And what we're trying to do, and this is really my colleague, Dina Otero's idea, but is to look at every campaign, everything that we're asked to do, because on my team, we tend to execute the majority of our marketing campaigns um, when we're asked to do something rather than just saying yes, because then we just have a pile of work <laughs> and we don't want to say no to everything, of course, but ask ask the requester or ask ourselves if we're the ones initiating the, the campaign or project, what is the business outcome and is that business outcome going to support our objectives and the company's objectives? If it's not, then we need to ask why we're doing it. We can't just keep doing stuff for the sake of doing it. Um, True. and I think it's really easy for marketers to get in that habit. They have more leads, more leads, more leads. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Right, is that really the problem? Um, and, and that's a, you know, very foundational <laughs> marketing conundrum, but, um, I like, I like your strategy. I'm going to try to find that document.
0: I'll, I'll send you one. It's fantastic. Great. Yeah. Um, and so your colleague, is that Dina? You said mm-hmm. yep. shout out. That's, that's a yeah. fantastic point. I mean, I've even struggled with this here, at, at, you know, marketing, you get ideas from other teams and they're like, Hey, how about we try this kind of cool, crazy idea? And uh-huh. it's great to have the collaboration, but you can, you can get, it's going to be dangerous to just automatically start to just develop every single idea, and then you're not really getting strategic at all. You're just so busy just keeping up with your own ideas, everyone else's ideas, and then you're just sort of executing. But maybe some of those aren't tied to the business goals.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, Dina actually has a great blog post coming out in a a week or so um, where she lists out her five tips for planning for 2020, kind of resetting to revolutionize the way that you look at work.
0: So. Well, by the time this hits the airways, maybe it'll be that time. So we'll have to like throw that link in the show notes. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, a shout out for that. Um, very cool. What's got you excited these days in marketing? Any, it, you know, I know we're like, ABM is not the end all be all. <laughs> are there things that are, are there buzzwords coming out that you're kind of intrigued by or they're just topics in marketing that are sort of got your attention?
1: Oh, gosh, I've I've been lucky enough to go to quite a few really good conferences, um, which was 2019. So I went to well, I always think the, the serious decisions, uh, the big event that they have in May is excellent. Uh, I think 2019 was the last year, but they also had something called the tech exchange. Um, this year it was in Denver at this massive hotel um, that was all decked out for Christmas. And they had. Um, you could do an ice slide. I did it on the last day of the conference. It was very cool. Um, But anyways, that's called the... Now, are you
0: sliding down that thing or are they pouring like vodka in the top? And then like, (laughs) I've seen both. No,
1: No, that would be fun. But no, this was just, you're on like a sled and you go down. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really neat.
0: Like a luge uh, or something.
1: Yes, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but that was called the tech exchange. And I okay. think this year they're combining the tech exchange with their main event. But that was hugely valuable. They're very big into talking about buying centers, um, mm. which I think is is a way, um, I, I'm sure we're not the only one, but we have to shift our thinking from the individual to the buying center, the buying team, yeah. buying unit is another term people are talking about. Um and I also I attended Six Census conference. That was amazing. Okay. Um, and you know, that that goes back to that intent piece. Um, but it was also a lot about sales and marketing alignment, how to um, really breathe some new life into all the teams that marketing works with, which was really um, inspiring.
0: Wow. Where was that one at? Because that, that we keep talk Napa. about six Sense. I we probably Napa. have to do that. What did you say
1: was that? Napa.
0: N- oh, jeez. <laughs> what a struggle
1: (laughs) i know yeah my husband is little
0: (laughs) the hardest thing is just justifying it like oh yeah you'd want to say not you'd want to say like one of the towns near napa you know like oh just outside sacramento like oh okay all right well have don't have too much fun yeah no worries exactly
1: Exactly. (laughs) the
0: the hills (laughs) up and beyond san francisco oh okay yeah Sure. Napa. All right. Well done, Lani.
1: Oh, shoot. Yeah. That was an excellent event. I not only got excellent ideas from the content, but I also learned some extra tips to put together the most amazing event. Um, But that one was the content is so valuable that we're actually replaying some of the sessions for our teams internally to expose them to the sessions that dina and i attended um so when you find those conferences that are so valuable i mean there's so many that i've attended that are you know there's ends up being three sessions that are useful out of 20 and right
0: then, you know, <laughs> You're Like, oh, <laughs> right. yeah i, mean, um, I love but, a good vegas conference and all but like <laughs> yeah. you know time away from family and like yeah. you got work to do
1: exactly um so those two um, Okay. They, they both happened in december but they were they were extremely valuable. There's also some a conference coming up um with Topo. Um oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't really aware of um until very recently, but that's all about um sales, uh SDR and marketing alignment. So right. uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm heading to uh San Francisco with our head of uh the SDR team. So that will be fun to spend oh, some time that will, with
0: him. yeah, it'll be good. Um sweet. Well I sidetracked us because the original question was uh yeah what what's got you excited? So yeah. all these events are happening. It Sounds like that's yeah. where you're getting some of your inspiration.
1: I really am. yeah. um, which by the way, I think it's great to get out of the office when you can. Uh, you got to keep your sh- your skills sharp and yeah. and stay on top of the trends. Um, and this has helped me do that. Um, but i I also love the that there are more conversations around um, marketing's expansion across that buying journey. Yeah. Um so instead of just being there to generate leads, um, it, our role has really expanded. And dare I say, I think sales role has the traditional sales role has compressed a bit. Um, you know, because the SDRs, the marketing's got a chunk of it, the SDRs have an even bigger chunk, yeah. then you've got customer success on the back end. I think marketing spans all of that. And yeah. I'm finding even in our organization, sales are much more willing to bring marketing into a deal to support with additional information that they have um from analysts or content that's been written studies that have been written so um, i think just the idea of of marketing expanding its role and influence is very exciting right. um and i i do think we need to be thinking about things differently you know it's you know six people purchasing your product at a time not just one so that kind of blows up the idea of traditional mm. marketing
0: yeah right right it, it's a whole little village you're trying to convince and each one has their own desires and needs and
1: yeah
0: and requirements and yeah th- there's yeah. more to it but finally acknowledging that it's like you said b- either buyer center or a team or a unit uh-huh. makes sense
1: yeah have
0: you bumped a chat into chat or anything like that i've seen so, that yeah. really like, kind of just blow up lately in b2b world
1: yeah i i've i've we've done a few recent demos actually. Oh, cool. Um, I'm not sure yet where I stand on chat because I think it can be intrusive at times.
0: Right. I
1: would love to, and I'm sure there's a company out there that does this, but maybe after you could set rules, you know, maybe after they spend 10 minutes on the website, you ask them a relevant question based on yeah. what they've engaged with um, or after the second visit to your website, something like that. But when I get on a website and within five seconds, they're popping up and asking me what I need when I don't even know what I need yet. It's its annoying. I will yeah. say I was on Topo's website looking at this event in San Francisco and the chatbot popped up and said, oh, do you want me to help you justify the airfare <laughs> to get from Charlotte to San Francisco? And I was like, okay, from a marketer's perspective, I just need to understand if you are a computer system or if you are a human being. In that case, it was a human being. But can you imagine if at some point we were able to to pinpoint people and and tailor the conversation to specifically where they were in the world. I think in a chat situation, I think that would be really interesting.
0: That would be interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I see it as one of those things where I think a lot of our marketing can be kind of like, leave me a voicemail, you know, like, oh, fill out <laughs> my form, I'll get back to you. You know, mm-hmm. actually no, sales may get back to you. Um, now, if you indicate you want them to, they may they may do it within a couple days unfortunately hopefully but if you don't indicate that they may never ever follow up with you so um and some do you know not all sales are bad but like there's this sort of disconnect of like i'm doing research now i want to binge on netflix now right in marketing's learned to give you more and more content but like what if you want to what if you do want to talk to someone yeah Yeah. so i see that like more and more companies are doing that but you're right it could be intrusive and it's like but I'm not right now. I don't want to talk to anyone. So don't harass me.
1: Yeah. Balance of the two. Well, that's an interesting data point too, though. If they ignore your chat or say that they're not interested right now, that's an indicator that perhaps they're just there for education purposes. And that information should be used to fuel how you talk to them going forward.
0: Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think it, what it does is it, it connects us a little closer to them. You know, Mm -hmm. but also to your point, you need sales and marketing even more aligned now, especially if they're going to be on the chat for yeah. you. I've seen that happen a lot too. Um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely, I think chat's been around for a while. So just like ABM, it's not like, oh, it's new. I mean, in mm-hmm. the B2C world, we've been using it for like decades, right? Oh, do you have a problem with your shopping cart? Let me address right. that. Here's a coupon code. Make right. a purchase, you know, but but to have the B2B world potentially start harnessing that, I think there's something to it, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I I do struggle because we tried chat for a while. I struggle a little bit with who's gonna who's gonna man the yes. chat. Yes. Yes. You because know? um, it's more of a call center type function, and um, and that's not always where marketing or salespeople want to sit um or want to have in their list of responsibilities. So I haven't solved that yet. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think there are some of these chatbots that can. Kind um, of have a conversation a, a basic conversation until they you know find out that you're really interested in something specific and then can connect you to the most uh, readily available person uh, right human being right. but um but yeah we struggled with re- resources to be that live person responding
0: yeah like who's gonna talk to them yeah totally i you know one one of the folks we talked to on here um you know, C- uh Craig and actually Sean from the qualified team I don't know if you've seen those guys mm-hmm. um but what I like is their approach a little bit better where it's not like, oh, let's do bots are going to save the world. No, people don't actually want to buy from a bot. Okay. Maybe they'll get an answer, a question answered. But if you want to talk to a human, you want to talk, you know, like you don't trick me and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. But
0: what I like about what they had said was um, bots can't sell and humans can't scale. So you need to sort of intersect the two. Yeah. And. And in, in, in if you can read a cookie, read some maybe intent data or something mm-hmm. else, in my case, read Pardot cookies and know, okay, mm-hmm. this is that VP you're trying to connect with. Um, like what we've done is actually connect them right with the sales rep that owns them,
1: you mm-hmm. know,
0: in that account. Whereas if we don't know who they are, we don't even bother sales. You yeah. Know? Because otherwise you get a lot of noise. And to your point, they get noise and then they're not going to check it anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I like that phrase from that team. That- yeah.
0: Right. So yeah. clever. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: sorry. <laughs> uh, I should steal it and put it on a t-shirt. Be like, look what I said. He's <laughs> like, no, Casey, you didn't say that <laughs> at all. Um, what about podcasts? I know we're on one now and it's kind of meta to talk about it, but do you listen to podcasts yourself? And have you seen more and more companies starting to have their own content?
1: Um, yes. I mean, I can't say that I have a ton of time outside of my normal work day sure. um, to be engaging with podcasts or tv at this point <laughs> right <laughs> my kids <laughs> um this right. life is busy so i think the, the fact that you can bring them on the road with you is really helpful um and it's a great way to like we were talking about if you can't get to a conference you can keep your skills up by listening to something as you drive or walk or fly That's a good
0: point right if you can't get to a conference a podcast can help you with that mm-hmm.
1: um, um and i do hmm. see more companies doing it and um we i don't actually understand why we can't just call an on-demand webinar podcast but maybe that's naive of me yeah <laughs> well why
0: can't we i don't know what's the difference
1: i'm not sure exactly i guess one is easier to take with you i am not sure um but you don't always need the slideware to understand the content um that's being set on a webinar but but we obviously we have on-demand webinars on our website and we have um launched a, a podcast uh recently oh cool uh, Yeah, it's focused on the market research industry, and hopefully we'll do more with that because there's, I think it's fun to have even short segments, sort of chapters, or I've heard Forrester refer to it as snackable content, where people (laughs) just get like a quick nugget. Not everybody has an hour commute to the office. Maybe it's only 15 minutes, but they can get, you know, a one quick learning in on the way to the office. I think that that's really useful.
0: Sure. Yeah. It, different people like to consume in different ways and uh-huh. um, whether it's nuggets or in our case on this particular episode, a whole feast
1: yes, all about and intent data and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. But Where does technology fit into all this, you know, for you and how do you, you could obviously buy a thousand market. I mean, the MarkTech platform chart shows thousands of, of apps. Yeah. How do yeah. you focus and not lose your mind with that?
1: um that's funny well so i i like to well i know that we have one of the most advanced tech marketing stacks um of
0: nice.
1: yes for a b2b organization especially of our size because we're not humongous um we're good size but not humongous um and dina actually mapped out uh, shout out again to dina she mapped out our tech stack and it's shout not as, yeah, <laughs> it's not as crazy as the one that you're referring to but it is kind of overwhelming and the, all yeah. the different connections that are made Um, I think we're at a good point, though, where we've got basically what we need. Everything else at this point would be bonus. Um, We don't have any huge gaps, Um, but I'm a big believer in technology. And when I moved to confirm it and I actually was given budget to buy technology and there was a belief in the power of the technology and how it could help us scale and be more efficient... I was, I, it was like a kid in a candy store. I didn't go crazy, but I was very excited to work for an organization that understood the value of technology and marketing. Um, and I've been very lucky in that sense. So we've gotten, you know, in my opinion, the best of the best vendors. Um, and so, you know, now I'm, now we're kind of fine tuning and we're making sure that, as we've brought on technologies and those have grown and built out their functionality that we don't have duplicative technologies. Cause obviously we don't want to be double paying for something. Um, so and also scrutin- scrutinizing our relationships. You know, has that vendor delivered. Are they living up to what they've told us they would do? Um, and if not, perhaps it's time to reevaluate. I also, I'm a big fan of strong B2B relationships. Mm. I want to buy from someone that I like. Um, and I, I think that that is critical. I don't have any vendors that I don't like. And if I, if you're rude on the, on the demo, you won't be hearing from me.
0: <laughs> right. I don't, I don't care what you're selling. Don't be yeah. a dummy <laughs> or whatever other word. Yeah.
1: Cause I think if that's the case on the demo, that's indicative of how your relationship is going to be long term. It's sort of like a first date, you know, if that doesn't yeah. go well, I don't think you're going to have a successful marriage.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I'm sure there's, you know, other situations where that could, that could work. But, um, but I think, you know, I like building relationships with my vendors and I think it's very important.
0: Yeah. You want the vendor to hold the door for you, <laughs> maybe pick up a nice dinner, you know, why didn't dine me, man? Come on. I'm just going to buy your app. Show me. But to your point, it also shows like potentially shows unless they're just a bad rep, And but it could be how they view customers. Are they <laughs> yeah. just cogs in a machine? We got to grind out in a factory or do they do the, is the discovery actually, tell me about your business, not just because I need to do that for my check sheet, but like, I really want to know so I can customize the solution for you.
1: Yes, exactly. And so many times salespeople will come in, as I'm sure you know, and just tell you things that you already know. And (laughs) that is when I just tune out. Um, You've done no research on my experience or, you know, clearly they don't have the data that they should have to have an intelligent and relevant conversation.
0: (laughs) But that's not so. They're not asking, they're just kind of, it sounds a little like challenger sale, but it sounds like it yeah. wasn't the right way of doing it. They just, I know all about you, and that's just what you need. And
1: yeah, yeah, it's huh. surprising that people still sell that way, but but I find it occasionally.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Well, those listening to the show don't try that on Beth. Like she's not. That's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is this has been awesome. I've been learning from you constantly here. My next question for you is like, who are you? How did you gain all this information? Did you always know you're going to be a marketer? Like take us back, like little Beth days, you know, what, what was it like? We're, you know, and in, 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 did anything happen that was like marketing is the path or how did you get there?
1: did actually. So yeah. I, yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I was kind of, you know, floundering. Or, I mean, I was in sure. college, but I totally did not know what to do. Um, and then I happened to be talking to my mom one night and she was in marketing. Um, she recently retired, but, um, I was talking to her and I was like, wait a minute, this is what I want to do. <laughs> this is exactly what I want to do. So, wow. um, now yeah.
0: you were like midway through school,
1: two years in, okay. but I went to a, I went to a five-year school.
0: Okay. It was, Um, it was for business anyways. Right. mm -hmm. So you could easily just sort of
1: switch in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it's really fun because I get to talk to my mom about all the marketing stuff and she understands what I'm going through. It's funny because, um, she's, she worked in telecommunications and field marketing and for large, large organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember when they implemented Pardot and she was so mad, or maybe it was like, I can't remember, but she was so mad that she had to like, track all of her activities in this computer Uh (laughs) it was very funny so she's not a fan of marketing automation but um, what yeah
0: i should send her a book the book just came out on marketing (laughs) automation we'll send it to her and be like come back come back to us this is a good tool
1: yeah um but i do love that i can share ideas with her and oh yeah she understands where i'm coming from and yeah
0: i imagine she had just tech aside, the core strategies of understanding Mm -hmm. buyers and behaviors, and there must be so much wisdom you can glean from her on that.
1: Yeah. Yes, I definitely have. Um, And also she's helped me understand, you know, the perspective from a much larger organization, which is also useful.
0: Yeah. What was that combo like later on? Was she like, I I knew, I knew this was going to happen. Or was she like, (laughs) really? Oh, like, (laughs) <laughs> I've been know. marketing your entire life and now, and now you're yeah. going to do
1: it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she ever said that exactly, but she, we definitely often say, I'm so glad that you understand what I'm talking about. And it's so nice that we can have these conversations. So,
0: that's true. that's, yeah, true. that's great. Like...
1: She's my inspiration. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no, no. That's awesome. So your inspiration.
1: Yeah. Um, it was my mom. Uh, and, yeah. and so she got me into marketing and, um, you know, I think it's really important um, to try a bunch of things. Mm. I I pride myself on being a B two B marketing generalist. Um, I've made a specific, um, a, you know, choice not to specialize in anything. Um, I think if you can get your hands in everything you can in the beginning, I think that that will pay off. A ton later on. Even if you do decide to specialize, at least you'll understand what PR does and how that right. works, and the basics of a press release. Um, or you know, on the tech side, maybe you don't run all the technology, but you know what the key pieces are of a marketing tech stack. At these pieces of information um, are very valuable. And I think by talking to people, asking to try new things, um, trying new projects, maybe outside of your comfort zone, those mm. are what help you grow as a person um, and and will help you grow in your career.
0: That's so. fantastic. And this kind of ties into one of the questions I wanted to ask you too. And maybe the, these are the answers too, which is like if you could go back in a time machine to yourself at the beginning of your marketing career, you just had the aha moment with mom. what what would you advise yourself knowing what you've known and experienced, what you've experienced, all the industries you've been to, what would would you tell yourself?
1: Ooh. Oh gosh. That's really tough.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really
1: tough question. It wasn't, oh gosh. Um, Maybe don't, I know this is going to sound cheesy, but don't sweat the small stuff.
0: Nice. Okay. No, Um, the cheesy stuff is often usually true. (laughs) Like, and it's only cheesy to people who don't believe it, but like, no, I, I believe it. So what about sweating? Like, how, how would you not sweat the small stuff?
1: So we're not making baby food. Well, I'm not in my job. I'm sure there are people that are out there responsible for that. Right.
0: Um,
1: but you They know,
0: can sweat They can sweat the small stuff. Right. right. But take
1: it all in stride. I, you know, I sometimes get worked up. I still do this. I'll get worked up because someone doesn't believe in my idea or they're fighting me on something. Um, and rather than get all worked up, kind of just take a deep breath. Because at the end of the day, it will all work out one way or another. You're going to have results, and you can use those results to, you know, make a new argument. Um, But it's just not worth it to get all worked up. It doesn't do any good for you, your team, Um, and I think it's really important to kind of show that control and command um, to the people around you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm very passionate about what I do, Um, and I think that that's really important. And I a good thing to have a, with any job um, yeah. but you got to kind of keep that in check it's not all worth getting too worked up over
0: right no that makes sense like have the passion for what you're doing but
1: mm-hmm. then
0: don't let it just like take take control and then maybe hurt your relationships internally where you're tr- you're trying to work with people
1: yeah. yeah yeah and you stress yourself out i think that's yeah. for me it's luckily i have not hurt any relationships but the stress level personally becomes you know it burns you out pretty quickly and I think you know we have long careers these days you know where people are working very late in life um and so you got a long road ahead of you um so you got to keep those stress levels down I think
0: yeah 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 and and, you know part one of the things you said too which is really I mean I wrote down pretty much the whole thing probably have to quote you on this one but it was the (laughs) fact that you're like You know, at the end of the day, you'll have results on something and you could then use those. Uh So don't freak out. It's like sales sometimes have to play the short game of like close this deal by this quarter. But in marketing, we can be deliberate, intentional and be like, okay, Uh they're not buying in. You know, it's right. Casey knows it's right. Beth knows it's right. They said it on a podcast. People aren't listening. Okay, do what little step can you do and then Uh get that, that data to then show everyone else.
1: Exactly. Yes. Um or let them run with their idea that you don't think is going to work. I mean, sometimes sure. trying things that you don't think will work is as much or a greater learning experience because maybe they will work and you prove yourself wrong. Or maybe if they don't work, you can then use that to convince someone that to try your approach or idea.
0: Huh. I think I could learn a little bit from that too. I think yeah. sometimes um yeah, like if I don't like the idea then it must for certain not be true and must for certain not be something that's ever going to ever work ever yeah. so um but maybe it maybe it will so suspend that a little bit let's see what the results show mm-hmm. doesn't have to be my idea or so let's let's try it you know if, yeah. it, if it, to your point that earlier point with with dina if it fits the business outcome mm-hmm. try it See what yeah. the results show. If it if it won't hurt us in the long term, let's let's give it give it a whirl. And it may not be my idea; may mm-hmm. be somebody else's idea. But let's try it, even if I don't think it'll work. Mm-hmm. Give it a shot and give give it a good effort and see what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. So now I realize I have to take my own advice too.
0: <laughs> I know, right? No, we all could. No, but sometimes <laughs> even just saying it helps helps internalize it for ourselves. I think you know. Sometimes teaching other people helps us, you know, better locking in for ourselves
1: mm-hmm,
0: that's very true yeah yeah fantastic so okay you've been in the time machine uh you've yeah. advised yourself um do you and you mentioned don't usually have much time you, you got a family they you know kids and it's and you're traveling too have you have you been traveling lately
1: um i've had one trip so far this year up to new york to see my team um nice. so yeah that was fun um but yeah i you know it will start ramping up as event season starts to to kick off. so so we will see where uh, it takes me.
0: <laughs> did you mention you you went to Oslo? Is that yeah. where, like a headquarters is that?
1: That is right. That's where our headquarters is. Um, and I've been with the company for almost eight years and this was the first time I got to go is this past what? October. Really? Yeah. Hello. I
0: know. <laughs> I've i been working with you for a while now.
1: <laughs> it was really funny actually, because I, we go to the London office quite often. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And Oslo is only one more hour, but for some reason it just never worked out. But, um, but it was amazing. I had, I was lucky to have a colleague with me who had been several times. We stayed in our separate Airbnb apartments and she showed me how to use the train to get to the office every day. And at night we would go, um, to different bars and restaurants and they all have outdoor seating, even though it's cold, they have fire pits and heaters and these big sheepskin blankets that you can wrap yourself in. And (laughs) it's, it was really an amazing experience.
0: Wow. Oslo. So so it's outside. It is cold. Was it? Is it ever warm or is it just always cold?
1: No, I think it's warmer in the summer, <laughs> but they have very long winters. And I think they're very gray um, and kind of drizzly or snowy, from what I understand. But it wear- kind of gives you know, this cozy feeling oh yeah
0: i could see with like an outdoor you know, getting a beer and there's a fire and they're throwing sheepskin over you yeah (laughs) sign me up like i I, I could be dangerous right like okay (laughs) i had a couple beers i'm gonna sleep right here i'll see you at the meeting in the morning you know like no you can't go to sleep here man (laughs) (laughs) no
1: but it is a very different experience than having like freezing rain coming at you sideways as you're trying to get to the subway in new york and you're stepping in puddles it's it yeah. just felt warmer than that. If that makes sense, even though it's often colder.
0: Interesting. Maybe it was a like community or whatnot. I I don't just, know. But yeah, it's like up yeah. there and cold and wild. Were you in like ski clothes the whole time?
1: No, I just regular no? clothes. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. Yeah. So I have no idea. I, I should probably add would you would you go back? Would you add Oslo oh, to yeah. the list? Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. And 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 now I want to go to Denmark and Sweden. Um So yeah, that would be fun. Um, But it's, they have all sorts of things there that um, help you uh, acclimate to the snow. They even have a special closet in our office where you can put your boots and change into your shoes. Um, (laughs) Which makes perfect sense because you've got to commute in your boots with the snow, but then you don't want to wear them around all day and you don't want to have a pile of shoes under your desk and they have a specific closet for that.
0: Well, okay. So you like Put your big mucklucks in the in the closet, <laughs> and then you you throw on your your fancy shoes, yeah as if it was just warm and friendly outside. you yeah. have no idea <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. you wouldn't want to be like in the office in a, you know in a meeting when everyone's bundled up
1: exactly <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> wow that is that is wild yeah. uh, any any other places on the list of like you'd kind of want to hit them up in the next you know years or two?
1: Oh gosh, well, I would love to go to Africa um that, but that's a huge continent. What part, what part?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah
1: I think Nigeria and South Africa would be really interesting um so and I think taking my kids on a safari would be great but I uh, yeah. hear you have to wait until they know not to run around because or can can listen and not run around because they can be eaten by tigers yes. <laughs> or not tigers lions excuse me um but I think by that anything be, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that that would be a really cool experience
0: yeah yeah our kids are about the same age, so yeah it, it it's like no, we're not actually kidding no like this it's not a Nickelodeon episode you no, no you just because there's there's like you hear about like goofy adult tourists that have issues yeah. with like staying in the vehicle i mean, right. I'm not, you don't have to tell me twice, I'm not even putting the window down like i'll I'll boil that's fine um
1: yeah yeah, yeah there's no there's no fence at this zoo <laughs>
0: oh man um i'm actually going to africa really um, yeah i'm going really? to tanzania Oh fun in july and we oh, climb out awesome. kilimanjaro
1: oh my gosh yeah training for that
0: yeah <laughs> a lot because <laughs> uh, oh, it's, like, it's really high
1: yeah so, so how do you how do you do that how are you training
0: um a couple ways like one just losing weight because i realized that they actually have porters it supports like the local economy you can't just do it all yourself you pay and you have people they like they'll carry a duffel bag for you they'll set up it's really it's i want to say glamping because it's like roughing it but people will set up tents for you and they'll cook for you and stuff so it's cool you get like this whole you know group going up with you so it's fun but i realized you can hand off your day pack you can hand off all the stuff but you can't hand off you right (laughs) so i need to make sure i'm not hiking more than i need to um but then yeah just doing a lot of walking because it's not technical it's just like a slog it's like i'm gonna do eight days worth of just you know maybe four hours each day so it's not even and they want you to go slowly too the the biggest problem is when the like a super athlete gets out there and they're like oh i got this i'm not gonna go slowly i'm gonna go quick and they go too quick and then you don't adjust to the altitude and you get sick Uh, so you gotta take it slow you gotta just like but i'm really good at meandering and sauntering so i'm just like (laughs) yep heading up the mountain one step at a time. Y'all like, I'll see you at the top. You know, so I have no problem. I'm not going to rush at all, but I'm excited. I've never been to Africa. You, I mean, it's such a big continent and you're right. Yeah. Like we don't ever really get out there.
1: That is so cool. Well, you'll have to keep me posted on how that goes. I, wanna I see will.
0: Africa, so. Yeah. You want to go? It's in July. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you'll be fine. Now that I've told you how hard it is. It's so easy. You'll be <laughs> fine. Yeah. <Beth. laughs> maybe uh,
1: next
0: year <laughs> yeah yeah I'll get you on the next one Casey well you never know I've already mentally prepared to do it again because like oh. people are like oh tell me how it goes I'll go on the next one okay I'll tell you <laughs> oh Very man
1: cool. well good luck
0: well thank you I'll definitely keep you in a loop on that one awesome. so tell me where can people connect with you they want to like follow you get some more of your thought leadership, um, as well as, you know, confirm it. How, how do they, what are some URLs, throw out some social platforms and URLs and all that stuff?
1: Sure. So, um, our website is confirmit.com C O N F I R M I T. Okay. Um, I have some blog posts on there. Uh, I've also linked some of those to my LinkedIn profile, which is Beth McGee. Um, and that's M A G E E. There's no C, there's no capital A.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Right. Um, and, uh, twitter i'm beth higgins or beth higgins one word so Beth uh it's my maiden name i think you can still find me under mcgee there too but um yeah and i'm connected to dina too she's a great one to follow so um check her out dina otero o-t-e-r-a um she's got some some awesome content on the blog as well
0: yeah we'll have to check check that out we'll have to follow her too put her on there this has been awesome thank you so much for coming on here and and chatting and and sharing your strategies and your, and your knowledge.
1: Well, thank you. This has been really fun. It's great to hear your perspective too.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And for those listening, if you learn something and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here (laughs) then share this with someone else and be a thought leader, just a one person or two people, or just throw it on Twitter. Maybe you thought leader to thousands, who knows? Um, But yeah, get this information out there. There's so much that people can learn. Uh, from Beth on the intent data we talked about, understanding the buying process, content, how to even get going with intent data. Like it, there's so many conferences. Maybe we'll see each other at serious decisions. Like there's so much good stuff. So get this out there um, and make a difference. And Beth, thank you again. This has been such a blast.
1: Thank you. It's It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today and everyone that's listening today. So awesome. Yeah. Hope to see everyone soon and connect with people on LinkedIn.
0: Absolutely. And if you do send her it on LinkedIn, don't be a crazy stalker. Say, hey, great podcast. I, I, I heard you on the podcast. So it's not like one of those random you know, B2B spam people on LinkedIn that I like to block. So uh, <laughs> send a nice note when you do connect with her. But this has been awesome. So thank you again. And this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce and a big thank you to qualified.com the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, marketing automation unleashed, then you go over to qualified.com engage in a chat, do a demo and tell them that Casey sent you and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.